0: The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I'm many things and many people. I am the nation. I'm 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I'm Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shocker around the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain, Boys, and Davy Crockett. Leave. coming to you from the d studios in the free state of florida sponsored by makers mark bourbon this is don't tread on america I am your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is November. Freaking eggs, man. November 2nd, 2022. Woo! All right, let it play a little bit. It's Art of War check them out on youtube art of war all right guys um uh hi how's everyone doing today wednesday right it's already november this year is just about over with guys it's just about over with um couple things real quick um not that i'm not doing any more shows before then but the the countdown is on you have a week before it's time to go vote uh for the folks that live in florida and that can hear my voice, uh, vote. Vote. I'm talking to everybody, and you know who I'm talking to, everybody. <laughs> Go vote. DeSantis. We can't let the fake-ass Christ in back in the governor's mansion. He is a joke, and he is fake. Don't believe any of the bullshit. Think of it like this. We had two years of corona shit that, for the most part in Florida, we didn't have to deal with. We had a small hiccup when everyone was running scared for the mountains because they didn't know what the fuck was going on. But the one governor in this country who actually followed the science, that one Ronald Double D DeSantis, let its people come out of this quickly and and get back to normal the rest of the country there's a lot of parts of this country that's still trying to get back to normal so remember what he did for us in this state um and be appreciative and vote for him now you can sit here and say well he's he might run for president in 24 we'll cross that bridge when we get to it we have a good lieutenant governor we'll be fine okay um of course that's assuming he's going to run and win but nonetheless <laughs> i guess i shouldn't put the cart before the horse but nonetheless guys it's very important and also it's not even just about the governor's race you need to make sure if you live in a city or an area that has local elections um that you pay attention if you have uh circuit court judges uh, you know school board whatever if you have any of those in your area it's important it doesn't just it these races aren't just about presidents and senators and Congress people. Yes, those positions are important, also, but um, your local elections matter a whole lot. Your state elections really do matter. Um, in the state of Florida, uh, I don't know all the all the ins and outs of the races um, in this area. There's a couple Congress people running for re-election. Uh, Scott Franklin in my area. Uh, in the state, we have a senator. Running for re-election, Rubio versus Val Demings. I'm uh, not the biggest fan of Rubio, but I'll take a Rubio Republican over a Val Dems Democrat um, any day of the week. And, of course, uh governor, which really affects us. You can, you can see the power of having a strong governor makes a difference in a state. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that today because... Well, I'll do a couple more shows before it's time to vote, and I'll tell you all about it then. Nonetheless. Anyway. Uh, yeah, a couple things. Um, guys, keep spreading the word. Um, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, make sure you share this with your friends, your, your like-minded friends, and your, and your not like-minded friends. I think uh, the information I'm giving out on a lot of these series shows is very interesting. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, um, it shouldn't matter so uh we're available everywhere podcasts can be found except for pandora for whatever reason so we say fuck pandora and uh, so apple google spotify podbeam stitcher amazon iheart TuneIn, fm I- i'm probably leaving something out but anyway check them all out whatever you have on your phone you can listen to us make sure you share this and uh also follow us on social media on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and the Ticker Talker at Don't Tread on America, and uh, on the Twitter machine at DTom underscore 1775. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's PCGC underscore 1775. I'm trying to get Elon Musk to give me my my old Twitter back. I'm still fighting that battle, but nonetheless. Also, uh, check out TikTok. I uh, posted a new uh, drink video. This is called The Godfather. I made a drink that you really can't refuse Uh, Check that out If you want to know what's in The Godfather And how to make it Go to TikTok, Don't Tread America And follow the show And check out the drinks It's pretty much all about drinking On the Ticker Talker Because, you know, we're all about drinking here On the D-Tom show All right, so, and that's what I got Right here, I got my Godfather right here Mm. Oh yeah, very good Very, very good. Check it out. I smoked the glass on this one, too. All right. And one last thing before we get back to business here. Uh, Don't forget about our newest sponsor to the show, Christian Lawson Watches. Check them out at christianlawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at checkout to get 30% off your purchase price. All right. On with the show. What we're going to do today is talk about me and how great I am. You're welcome. No, I'm joking. Um, we're going to close out the... I know y'all are sad when I say I'm closing out the series on the Bush crime family. Part 7. <laughs> now, another interesting thing about today's show is our 200th episode. So, pretty big deal. Been I've been going for about a year and a half, I think, roughly, give or take. Maybe a year and... We start... January of 21 So what a year and nine months Uh, So uh, Court granted there was two of us when we started And uh, now there's just one uh, Christopher J. McGillicuddy Still a contributing Factor to the show obviously He's not on as much I'm hoping to uh, drag him Into the studios in the very near Future so we can do another show Um, But you know We're trying to work out the details of the contract. I know it involves whiskey, but we'll have to see what happens. (laughs) But yeah, so 200th episode. So when you share this with your friends, just tell them to go through the catalog. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, Obviously, this is not my job. This is a, uh, what do I say? I I have a full-time job and a part-time podcast, right? So this is obviously a hobby for me. I've said this time and time again. Anyone that's new, that's listening to the show. And, um... So, although I feel I've gotten better with the uh, the production of the show, so on and so forth, the ins and outs and the sound and, and whatnot, and uh, if you go back and, and listen to all of our shows and you started show numero uno, just know it sounds like absolute dog shit. <laughs> and by that I mean I was like... <clears throat> Hey, how's it going out there? PCJC, was over here. and You know, I literally sounded like I was in a tin can. And uh, Chris sounded like he was outside. And when Chris talked, because he was nervous, it took him a couple of shows to finally figure out. No one's here. No one's watching us. We're, you know, we're just talking. But nonetheless, check them out. Look at our old shows. Go through the catalog. There's a couple of interesting... I say a couple. There's, a, there's quite a bit of interesting shows. I try to... Put topics on all of them, because initially when we first started putting the shows out, it was like episode one, episode two. You know, I didn't, I didn't know. You know, I barely even listened to podcasts, let alone knew how to put one together and make it appetizing to people who were scrolling through, uh, you know, podcast search functions to find something to listen to. So anyways, what we're going to do today is continue or complete, I should say, our Bush crime series. Uh, show now where we left off the the part six was about the the bush family the bush crime family the more recent attributes of the bush bush family hw and w and uh their involvement in the uh, fraternity or uh secret society club whatever you want to call it of the skull and bones out of yale and uh that led into the skull and bones you know we talked about the the um how Skull and Bones came to be, who was involved in that, and how that group of, you know, kids, basically, kids that turned into adults that ruled the world, or at least this country, um, started to back the Nazis and the thing. And you would say, okay, well, we're Americans, they were Americans, they were Nazis, they were doing crazy things. The Nazis, you know, we, we know the story as it was told to us, with the uh concentration camps and the uh the gas chambers and the killing of the jews and all this stuff we know all of that but where did it start where did it get its ideas from so when we closed out the show we were talking about uh there was a important political event that um in in those preparations for hitler uh was infamous the third international conference on eugenics. It was held in New York's American Museum of Natural History in August of 1932. Um, now, this conference was supervised by the International Federation of Eugenic Societies. The, uh, this meeting took place upon um, the stubborn persistence of African Americans and The other alleged inferior and social inadequate groups in reproducing, expanding their numbers, and (laughs) amalgamating with others. It was also recommended that these quote-unquote dangers to the better ethnic groups and to the uh, well-born could be dealt with by sterilization or cutting off the bad stock of the unfit. So I've ended the show with that particular paragraph. So I, I probably really shouldn't have because that really bleeds us into what we're gonna talk about today. So eugenics basically is is uh let me let me get the proper definition so I'm not like speaking out of term. Um so eugenics is the study of how to arrange reproduction. Within a human population, to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable, developed largely by Sir Francis Galton as a method of improving the human race, eugenics was increasingly discredited as unscientific and racially biased during the 20th century, especially after the adoption of the doctrines by the Nazis in order to justify the treatment of Jews, disabled people, and other minority groups. Now, in this de- uh, definition, this is from the Oxford Dictionary, and this is also on Google, you notice how they pretty much demonized just the Nazis. Now, I'm not saying the Nazis just didn't deserve to be de- demonized. I'm not saying that. But they just demonized the um, the Nazis. And the key here is Sir Francis Galton what he tried to do wasn't obviously the people Nazis they used eugenics basically just to to kill Jews and if you recall I'm sure you recall in history books that he tried to create the the perfect race right blonde hair blue eye you know children even though he himself was a Jewish person with black hair and brown eyes um in his mind, the perfect race was a white person, blonde hair, blue eyes. Wherever he got this from, whatever. But the scientists in Germany made sure they they did they did a lot of research. And you know, this was back in the '30s of what chromosomes and what mixture of the man's you know DNA versus the woman's DNA to get where you could take you know a brown haired, brown eye or whatever color hair skin not skin but hair eyes whatever combination to get the blonde hairs and blue eyes and once you had that that type of person they could reproduce and they would constantly reproduce blonde hair and blue eyes and essentially the way Fran- sir francis galton his idea was not not to create a superior race it was to To eliminate illness. Okay. So. Back in those days. You didn't have a lot of medicines. And and, uh, vaccines. And so on and so forth. So. You try to take healthy people. uh, Primarily white people. But it wasn't the point of the experiment. It wasn't about producing more white people. Than black people. Or brown people. Or whatever. It was about. Eliminating illness. And then what happened was. You had scientists in this country, scientists in Germany, scientists in Japan, in Italy, that took the science and manipulated it to create their own idea of what eugenics should be. So Italy's fascist government sent an official re- uh, representative, uh, Avril Harriman's sister, Mary. Uh, she was the director of entertainment for Congress. She lived uh, in Virginia's fox hunting country her state supplied the speaker on racial quote-unquote i should say racial purity w.a plecker virginia commissioner of vital statistics plecker reportedly held the delegates spellbound with his account of the struggle to stop race mixing and interracial sex in virginia the congress um, proceedings were dedicated to Everell harriman's mother she had paid for the founding of the race science movement in America back in 1910, building the Eugenics Record Office as a branch of the Galton National Laboratory in London, i.e. Sir Galton, right? What was his first name? Francis. Sir Francis Galton National Laboratory in London. She and other Harrimans were usually escorted to the horse races by... Uh, a familiar name, George Herbert Walker. They shared with the Bushes and the Farishes a fascination with breeding thoroughbreds. Now, when I say that statement, you automatically assume horses, right? Because we were just talking about taking them to the horse race, right? Uh, but they weren't just talking about breeding thoroughbreds. So when, we, when you hear the term breeding thoroughbreds, you hear racehorses, right? So you take a strong racehorse, you take a, I don't know, racehorse, a secretary, you know, whatever. And you use that horse's, you know, man junk to create another super horse, essentially, right? That's breeding thoroughbreds. But they took that same technology, that's basically eugenics being used in horse racing and dog racing and these types of things. That's what it is. Um. So they purposely take horses male and female horses that have a strong lineage and create stronger thoroughbreds they took that technology used it in horses so back in the early 1900s horse racing was the big thing there wasn't really football and baseball was relatively new and you know it was about horse racing polo and all that fancy stuff right they took that same technology to try and use it on humans Averill Harriman personally arranged with the Walker Bush Harry, um, Hamburg America Line to transport Nazi ideologues from Germany to New York for this meeting. So back in the uh, early 30s, we, we, were, we weren't at war with Germany, but the things in Europe were going on. But if you recall in the past shows during this series, we talked about the Hamburg America line and the uh, George Walker and Prescott uh, Bush's involvement with Nazis and funding and so on and so forth in different banks, Herman Brown, Loeb, these different banks and, and uh, financial institutions. And they actually, through this shipping company, were able to bring in Nazis to America for this meeting the most famous among these transported was dr ernest rudin a psychiatrist at the kaiser wilhelm institute for genealogy and demography in uh, berlin where coincidentally the rockefeller family paid for dr rudin to occupy an entire floor for his eugenics research now why in the hell would the rockefeller family be supporting a German um, doctor in Germany for eugenics research. Well, Dr. Rudin had addressed the International Federation in the 28 meeting, speaking on mental aberration and race hygiene. While others, German and American, smoke spoke. Smoke. I'm thinking i smoking a glass. I'm drinking my Godfather. Here spoke on race mixing and sterilization of the unfit. Rudin had also led the German delegation to the 1930 Mental Hygiene Congress in Washington, D.C. So real quick, sterilization, sterilization of the unfit, what does that mean? What does the unfit mean? Now, that could mean a lot of things. You could say someone that was mentally handicapped or physically handicapped. See, back in in earlier days, if if you know, some people are born with with the inability to walk, right? Sometimes people thought that that was a uh, a trait that could be passed on. Um but the messed up thing about what they considered the unfit, it wasn't about necessarily Mental or physical disabilities because they felt that if you weren't white you had a you were disabled you had a physical disability they didn't think that uh, black folks Hispanics whatever were smart enough just because they weren't white it had nothing to do with whether they were or they weren't they just weren't because they weren't white they were deemed unfit not to mention you had white folks that were deemed unfit who were these white people well, you had, uh, I don't know the political uh, correct term, but we're going to call them midgets, dwarfs, whatever you want to call them. Little people. Um, those types of things, they would feel were unfit because you don't want a country full of little people running around. You see what I'm saying? This is what these people thought. You don't want, you know, white and blacks mixing race. You want a pure race. We always think when we talk about eugenics and we talk about these things, we always automatically talk about Hitler and the Nazis well they learned it here (laughs) in this country and then the the doctors that they had in Germany that were studying the things they learned in this country were being funded by Americans does that not sound familiar didn't we just have a conversation about this within the last couple years about the U.S. funding research in foreign laboratories and what could happen I believe what, what just happened? Wasn't there this quote unquote pandemic that, you know, was gonna kill the world? You know, say what you want about COVID. Trust me, I'm not a I'm more of a COVID denier than a COVID supporter. I got COVID as far as I know. I was perfectly fine. Other people in my family got it. Some were fine, some got sick, but nothing more than having the flu. So whatever about COVID, the fact of the matter is, it did kill people. It killed the people. I, it killed the people. I believe it was designed to kill. But with that being said, that was financed by American politicians to be developed in a Chinese laboratory. Period. However, it got out. Whether you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. The fact of the matter is, it was financed by Americans, much like this eugenics situation in germany so say what you want about hitler say what you want about the nazis i, I, I you're not going to find much of an argument from me other than to say you know pay attention to what's going on in ukraine but <laughs> rockefellers were funding that at the Harriman's 1932 new york eugenics congress ernest rudin was unanim- unanimously Elected president of the International Federation of Eugenics Society. This um, was recognition of Rudin as founder of the German Society for Race Hygiene with his co founder, Eugenics Foundation Vice President Alfred Plotz. Race hygiene, just think about what that probably means. Race cleansing race cleaning, hygiene, you clean, you want to smell good, you brush your teeth, they get white. Mm -hmm. Fancy words, right? As depression-maddened financiers schemed in Berlin and New York, Rudin was now the official leader of the World Eugenics Movement. Components of this movement included groups with overlapping leadership dedicated to the sterilization of mental patients, or they were deemed as mental hygiene societies, execution of the insane criminals and the terminally ill, they were called euthanasia societies, and eugenical race purification by prevention of births to parents from inferior blood stocks. Now, these were called birth control societies. Now, remember... These things that we're talking about right now, because we're going to get to them a little later on, especially the inferior blood stocks, birth control societies, think about what that led to. So before Auschwitz death camp became a household word, these uh, British American European groups called openly for the elimination of the unfit by means including force, um, and violence Ten months later in June of 1933, Hitler's interior minister Wilhelm Frick spoke to the eugenics meetings in the third in the new Third Reich. Frick called the Germans a degenerated race denouncing one-fifth of Germany's parents for producing feeble-minded and defective children. The following month on commission by Frederick, Dr. Rudin wrote, The Law for the Prevention of Hereditary Disease in Prosperity. The sterilization law modeled on previous U.S. statutes in in Virginia and other states. So, the Nazis based their eugenics program on United States statutes. Now, it wasn't in every state. Probably had a lot in the southern states and whatever, but... Nonetheless, it was something that was that was law. in In different states, these things that were learned by German professor by German doctors, Hitler, and they moved it into their country. Special courts were soon established for the sterilization of German mental patients, the blind, the deaf, the alcoholics. Oh shit! Woo! Good thing I'm not an alcoholic, right? Hold on. Mm. Ah. Uh. Anyway, a quarter million people in these categories were sterilized. Rudin Plotz and their colleagues trained a whole generation of physicians and psychiatrists as sterilizers and killers. So, um, the government must put the most modern medical means in the service of this knowledge. Those who are physically and mentally unhealthy and unworthy must not... Perpetuate their suffering in the body of the children. The prevention of the faculty and opportunity to uh, procreate on the part of the physically degenerate and mentally sick over a period of 600 years would free humanity from an immeasurable misfortune. That was the words of one Adolf Hitler. The per capita income gap between the developed and developing countries is increasing. In large part of the higher birth rates in poor countries, famine in India, unwanted babies in the United States, poverty that seemed to form an unbreakable chain for millions of people. How should we tackle these problems? It is quite clear that one of the major challenges of the 1970s will be to curb, will be to curb the world's fertility. Now, anyone want to take a gander at who said that? That was one ex-president, George H.W. Bush. Twenty years before he was U.S. president, George Bush bought two race, quote-unquote, race science professors in front of the Republican Task Force on Earth, Resources, and Population. As chairman of the Task Force, then-Congressman Bush invited professors William Shockley and Arthur Jensen to explain to the committee how allegedly runaway birth rates for African Americans were downbreeding the American population. So, this was in the 70s. Your George H.W. Bush, the infamous, uh, killed the Kennedy brothers, framed Nixon, was essential in Vietnam getting started. Now a congressman uh, brings this, these professors in front of the Task Force for Earth Resources and Population. To um, explain how Afri- African American birth rates were downbreeding. Okay. After Bush's uh, personally summed up for the Congress the testimony his black inferiority advocates had given to the task force. George Bush held his hearings on the threat posed by black babies on August 5th, 1969. While much of the world was in a better frame of mind celebrating mankind's progress from the first moon landing, allegedly, in 16 days earlier, Bush's obsessive thinking on the subject was guided by his family friend, uh, General William H. Draper, the founder and chairman of the Population Crisis Committee and vice chairman of Planned Parenthood. Draper had long been steering U.S. public discussion about the so-called population bomb in the non-white areas of the world. So now we've we've fast-forwarded 30-plus years from World War II, or pre-World War II, I should say, to late 60s, early 70s. So if Congressman Bush had explained to his colleagues how his family had come to know General Draper, they would perhaps have felt some alarm or even panic and paid more healthy attention to Bush's presentation. Unfortunately, the Bush dra- uh, Draper-Bush population doctrine is now official U.S. foreign policy. William H. Draper, Jr. had joined the Bush team in 1927. When he was hired by Dylan Reed and Company. New York investment bankers Draper was put into the new slot at the firm handling the, thi- the Thiessen account. Um, we recall that in 1924, Fritz Thiessen uh, set up a union banking corporation in George H. Walker, uh, his bank in 39 Broadway in Manhattan. Dylan Reed and Company's boss. Clarence Dillon had begun working with the Fritz Thyssen sometime after Averill Harriman first met with Thyssen. About the time Thyssen began financing Adolf Hitler's political career. Sound, I mean, I'm going to keep reading here, but hold on one second. Guys, we talk about World War II. We talk about Adolf Hitler and what a monster he was and the Nazis and all this stuff. You had people in this country, we, you had families in this country that eventually their sons and their sons' sons became presidents of this country. People were top, top, top businessmen, millionaires, and continue to be that, that financed the Germans, financed Adolf Hitler's rise to power. And gave him the idea of killing Jews. An inferior race in his mind. In uh, January of 1926, Dylan Reed created the German Credit and Investment Corporation in New York, New Jersey. And in Berlin, Germany. As Thiessen's short-term banker, that same year Dylan Reed created the... uh, Let's call it the Wernigit... (laughs) <laughs> Stahlwerk, or German Steel Trust, incorporating the Thyssen uh, family interest under direction of the of New York and London finance. London England. Uh, William H. Draper, Jr. was made director, vice president, and assistant treasurer of the German Credit Investment Corp. His business was short-term loans and financial management, tricks for Thyssen and the German Steel Trust. Draper's clients sponsored Hitler's terroristic takeover. His clients led the buildup of the Nazi war industry. His clients made war against the United States. The Nazis were Draper's direct partners in Berlin and in New Jersey. Alexander Kruter residing in Berlin was president. Frederick Brandy whose father was a top coal executive in the German Steel Trust moved to the US in 1926 and served as Draper's co-director in Newark, New Jersey. Draper's role was uh, crucial for Dillon Reed and company, for whom Draper was a partner and eventually vice president. The German Credit Investment Corp. was a quote-unquote front for Dillon Reed. It had the same New Jersey address and U.S. and International Securities Corp., and the same man served as treasurer on both firms. Clarence Dillon was son of C. Douglas Dillon, um, I'm sorry, and his son, C. Douglas Dillon, were directors of the USIS, that's the uh, United States International Securities Corp., uh, which was spotlighted by Clarence Dillon, was hauled before the Senate Banking Committee, Senate Banking Committee, uh, famous pre corps hearings in 1933. The USIS was shown to be one of the great speculative pyramid schemes that had swindled stockholders of hundreds of millions of dollars. These investment policies had rotted the U.S. economy in the core, or to the core, and led to the Great Depression. But William H. Draper Jr.'s CGI front was not apparently affiliated with the U.S.I.S. or with Dillon, and the G.C.I. escaped the congressman's limited scrutiny. This oversight was to prove most unfortunate, particularly to the 50 million people who subsequently died during World War II. Dylan Reed hired public relations man Ivy Lee to prepare their executives for their uh, testimony and um, to confuse the further baffle the congressman. Lee apparently took enough time out of his uh, duties as image maker for William Farish and the Nazi Farben Company He managed the Congressional thinking so that congressmen did not disturb the Draper operation in Germany and did not meddle with Thiessen or interfere with Hitler's U.S. money man. Thus, in 1932, William H. Draper was free to finance the International Eugenics Congress as a supporting member. Was he using his own income as Thiessen's trust banker, or did the funds come from Dylan Reed, Corporate accounts, perhaps to be written off as income tax, as uh, expenses for a German project, race purification. Draper helped select Ernest Rudin as chief of the World uh, Eugenics Movement, who used his office to promote what he called Adolf Hitler's wholly natural and international race uh, ra- uh, racial speak don hygienics mission. Now these are American. People, American businessmen, we went to war. We were, I shouldn't say, obviously I wasn't alive in these times, but learning history or the history that was taught to us, we were told, okay, just the basics of why did we get into World War II. Okay, the things that were happening in Europe with, with um, the Nazis and whatnot predated Pearl Harbor, okay. This was going on in the mid-30s up until, you know, whenever. <sighs> when did uh, when did we get into the war? 1941? So we were made to believe that our involvement in the war was because Pearl Harbor. Now we did a show, we did a false flag show, and we talked about Pearl Harbor. Go back and listen to it. I'm not going to re revisit what I feel Pearl Harbor was about. But, um, if we, if then we got all butthurt about what's going on to the Jews in Germany, we must help these people out. Well, they had been doing it for fucking nine, 10 years prior to, uh, Japan, you know, dropping the bomb on, uh, on, uh, Hawaii there. Right. Why didn't we get involved then? If what we felt the Germans were doing was so wrong why didn't we get involved then you know in more recent history we hear of these things you know you had bosnia you had stuff going on in iraq you have you know what they're talking about in ukraine and stuff like that they're trying to make it sound like all these people were hitler and maybe they are maybe they aren't i don't know but we didn't talk about hitler like that until after we got involved in the war and why is that well back in 1935 obviously there was no Twitter and Facebook and uh, internet and computers you got you literally got your news from either listening to the radio or in the movie theater. There was no TV there was no nothing like that. You couldn't just pop on the cable and go to CNN or Fox or whoever and get your news. It didn't work like that. You either read the paper which they're going to tell you what they want to tell you you listen to a handful of newsmen on the on the radio and they're going to tell you what they want to tell you so if they didn't tell you about what was going on in germany you had no idea um where was i at okay (laughs) w.s farisher as we have seen was publicly exposed in 1942 humiliated and destroyed just before farish died Prescott Bush's Nazi banking office was quietly seized and shut down, but Prescott's closest friend and partner um, in the Thiesen hitler business, William H. Draper, neither died nor moved out of, out of German affairs. Draper listed himself as a director of German Credit Investment Corp. through 1942, and the firm was not liquidated until November of 1943. But a war was on. Draper, a colonel from previous military service, went off to the Pacific Theater and became a general. General Draper apparently had a hobby. He was a magician, illusionist, sleight of hand, right? And he was a member of the Society of American Magicians. This is not irrelevant to his subsequent career. The Nazi regime surrendered in May of 1945, in July of forty five, General Draper was called to Europe by the American military government authorities in Germany. Now, before I read on, this is a man who joined or rejoined, I should say, the military, as he was a colonel. He had retired. I'm assuming his service was in World War I. re enlisted, was promoted to Germany, or to Germany, to general. Prior to reenlisting, he was involved in letting the Nazis do what they did. This man helped facilitate Auschwitz. He helped facilitate Hitler's rise to power. But now he's called to Europe by the American military government authorities in Germany. Draper was appointed head of the economics division of the U.S. Control Commission. He was assigned to take part, or take apart, the Nazi corporate cartels. Now, this is an astonishing, but perfectly logical, (laughs) logical, I'm I'm put two words together, logical and rational to do this. Draper knew a lot about the subject. General Draper, who had spent about 15 years financing and managing the dirtiest of Nazi enterprises, was now authorized to decide. Who was exposed, who lost and who kept his business, and in practical effect, who was prosecuted for war crimes? Draper was not unique within his post war occupation um, occupation government. Tell me that 's not some bullshit. This guy was involved in the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime and their eugenics society. He helped. Finance and facilitate that rise. Then he was called in to quote unquote, you know, break it down. So what do you think happened to all those people? Surely there were some people prosecuted for war crimes because you have to have somebody. You know, what was it in um you ever seen National Treasure with uh Nicolas Cage, right? And he stole the Declaration of Independence, right? And the FBI agent kept saying someone's gotta go to jail. Same situation. If there was, you know, 50 people involved, 50 people didn't get prosecuted for war crimes. It might have been five. I'm just throwing out numbers. I'm just saying. Obviously, the best of the best or the top of the top were never mentioned. They got the bottom scrubbers that were involved. Consider the case of John J. Jacob Hirsch. No. John J. McElroy. I'm sorry, McCloy. I had to burp there. (laughs) U.S. military governor and high commissioner of Germany from 1949 to 1952. Under instructions from his Wall Street law firm, <laughs> McCloy had lived for a year in Italy, serving as an advisor to the fascist government of Mussolini, an immediate collaborator, collaborator, collaborator? of the Hermann Bush Bank. McCloy had sat in Adolf Hitler's box at the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin in the imitation um, of Nazi chieftains Rudolf Hess and Hermann Göring. William Draper, as a quote-unquote conservative, was paired with the quote-unquote liberal U.S. Treasury Secretary Henry uh, Morgenthau in a vicious game. Morgenthau demanded that Germany be utterly destroyed as a nation that its industry be dismantled and it be reduced to pure, a purely rural country. As the economic boss in 1945 and 46, Draper protected Germany from the uh, Morgenthau plan, but at a price. Draper and his colleagues demanded that Germany and the world accept the collective guilt of the German people as explanation for the rise of Hitler's new order and the Nazi war crimes. Thus, um, this, of course, was rather convenient for General Draper himself. As it was for the Bush family, um, it is still uh, convenient decades later, allowing Prescott's son, President George H.W. Bush, to lecture Germany on the danger of Hitlerism. The irony is strong, right? (laughs) The irony is real thick. This friendly environment emboldened General Draper, to pull off a stunt with his Military Aid Advisory Committee. He changed the subject under study. The following year, the Draper Committee recommended that the U.S. government react to the supposed threat of the population explosion by formulating plans to depopulate the poor countries. The growth of the world's non-white population, he proposed, should be regarded as dangerous to national security in the United States. President Eisenhower rejected the recommendation, but in the next decade, General Draper founded the Population Crisis Committee and the Draper Fund. Joining the Rockefellers and the DuPont families to promote eugenics as a population control. Now, this is where it gets interesting. The administration of uh, President Lyndon uh, Lyndon B. Johnson advised General Draper on the subject Begin finance birth control in the uh, tropical countries through the U.S. Agency of International Development. Now, real quick, how in the fuck old was General Draper? <laughs> I mean, now we're into the 70s, into the what, 60s here. I mean, he had to be—he had to be pushing some age, right? General Draper was George Bush's guru on the population question, but there was also Draper's money from the uniquely horrible source and Draper's connection on Wall Street and abroad. Draper's son and heir, William Draper III, was co-chairman for finance of the Bush for President National Campaign Organization in 1980. With George Bush in the White House, the younger Draper heads up the depopulation activities of United Nations throughout the world. The U.S. Agency for International Development, says that surgically sterilization is the Bush administration's first choice. Method of population reduction in the third world, the United Nations Population Fund claims that 37% of contraception, contraception users in uh, Ibero-America and the Caribbean have already been surgically sterilized. In 1991 report, Draper III's agency asserted that 254 million couples will be surgically sterilized over the course of the 1990s and that it um, and that if present trends continue, 80% of the women in Puerto, Rican, Puerto Rico and Panama will be surgically sterilized the U.S. government pays directly for these sterilizations Mexico is First um, uh, among target nations on the list, which was drawn up in July of 91 at a U.S. aid strategy, strategy session. India and Brazil are second and third priorities, respectively. Now, who was president in 1991? Does anybody know? Bill, you know? Uh, look, man, I, I was doing what I was told. Uh, all right, Bill. On... Uh, contract with the Bush administration as um U.S. personnel <laughs> our work was no, I guess you weren't president yet, were you? No, it wasn't a, I don't know, man. I'm high. Leave me alone. So, so it was Reagan 80s 80 88. So yeah, I guess it was still technically Bush at this point. Sorry. Sorry, Bill. That's all right, buddy. Um our <laughs> contract with the Bush administration. U.S. personnel are working from bases in Mexico to perform surgery on millions of Mexican men and women. The acknowledged strategy in this program is to sterilize those young adults who have not already completed their families. The spending for birth control in non-white countries is one of the few items that is headed upwards in the Bush administration budget. As its 92 budget was being set, U.S. aid said it's population account would receive 300 million, a 20% increase over the previous year. Within this project, a significant sum is spent on political and psychological manipulations of target nations, and a rather blatant subversion of their religious, uh, religions, I'm sorry, and governments. So real quick, when you hear the words, um, uh, what am I looking for what was the word? Uh, Birth control, right? For spending on birth control. When we say birth control, I think condoms, um, you know, a woman being on the pill or, you know, whatever different devices there are nowadays, that's not what they're talking about. These are surgically, and it's not even birth control because you're talking sterilization. There's no coming back from being sterile. So essentially, uh, the way I would assume they did it is women got their tubes tied they were given her hysterectomies prior you know well before time for a hysterectomy i mean what what do women get hysterectomies in their you know some mid to late 40s early through their 50s into their 60s depending on you know the woman they were probably doing this with females that were in their 20s or earlier men were probably getting um their uh vasectomies and stuff i mean really these activities might be expected to cause serious objections from the victimized nationalities or or from U.S. taxpayers, especially if the program is somehow given widespread publicity. Quite aside from the moral contradictions or considerations, legal questions would naturally arise, which could be summed up how. Um, How does George Bush think he can get away with this? So in this matter, President uh, has expert advice from Mister uh, Bor- Boyden Gray. Um, has been counsel to George Bush since the eighty election, as chief legal office, officer in the White House. Boyden Gray can walk the president through the dangers and complexities of waging such unusual warfare against third world populations. Gray knows how these things are done. So real quick, third world populations. Now, obviously, in this, we're we're focused right now on Mexico and and um, Hispanic areas of the world. But think about, and I, and I'm not sure that that we get into it here. I don't think Bill Gates is a part of this, not yet. But it makes me think of what you see the the Bill Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation doing in Mexico in in uh, Africa, right? In the over there in different countries in Africa. Where they're testing vaccines. Are they really worried about testing vaccines to keep people healthy? Or are they shooting them up with something to get them sterile so they don't repopulate? Something to think about. When Borden Gray was four and five years old, his father organized the pilot protection for the present worldwide sterilization program. From the Gray family household in North Carolina... Um, it started in 1946. The eugenics movement was looking for a way to begin again in America. Nazi death camps such as Auschwitz had just been seared. Uh, the coincidence of the world. In 1946, the eugenics movement was looking for a way to begin again in America. I'm sorry I laughed, but I just realized we're almost out of an hour and I got a shit ton here to say. <laughs> Still, <laughs> I really don't want to go to part eight. Uh, Keep talking. Uh, The Sterilization League of America, which had changed its name during the war to the Birthright Inc., started up again. First, they had overcome public nervousness about crackpots, proposing to eliminate inferior and defective people. The league tried to surface in Iowa, but it backed off because of the negative publicity. A little boy had recently been sterilized there and had died from the operation. They decided on North Carolina where the Gray family could play a perfect host. Through British imperial contacts, Borden Gray's grandfather, Bowman Gray, had become principal owner of R.J. Reynolds Tobacco. Boyden's father, Gordon Gray, had recently founded the Bowman Gray Memorial Medical School in Winston-Salem. Using his inherited cigarette stock shares, the medical school was already a eugenics center. As the experiments began Gordon Gray's great-aunt, Alice Sheldon Gray, who had raised him from childhood, was living in the household. Aunt Alice had founded the Human Betterment League, the North Carolina branch of the National Eugenic Sterilization Movement. Aunt Alice was the, was the official supervisor of the 1946-47 experiments. Working under Miss Gray was Dr. Claude Nash Herndon whom uh, Gordon Gray had made assistant professor of medical genetics at the Bowman Gray Medical School. Dr. Clarence Gamble, heir to the Procter and Gamble soap fortune, was uh, the sterilizer's national field operations chief. The experiment workers worked as follows. All children enrolled in the school district of Winston-Salem were given a special uh, quote-unquote intelligence test. Those who scored below a certain arbitrary low mark were then cut open and surgically sterilized. We, I'm going to read a quote here now from the official story of the project. And tell me that's not fucked up. Your kid makes a bad test on the score and he gets sterilized. In Winston-Salem in the, and in nearby Orange County, North Carolina the Sterilizations League Field Committee had participated in testing projects to identify school-age children who should be considered for sterilization. The project, Norwich County, was conducted by the University of North Carolina and was financed by Mr. Haynes, a friend of the Clarence Gamble and a supporter of the fieldwork project in North Carolina. The Winston-Salem project was also financed by Haynes, uh, if you think that name sounds familiar, it's because he was the underwear mogul, right? Haines underwear, right? A trustee of Bowman Gray Medical School and treasurer of the Alice Grays group. The medical school had a long history of interest in eugenics and had compiled extensive histories of families carrying in um, inheritable disease in nineteen forty six. Dr. Nash-Hernan made a statement to the press on the use of sterilization to prevent the spread of inheritable diseases. The first step after giving the mental health test to the grade school children was to uh, interpret and make public the the results. In uh, Orange County, the results indicated that 3% of school-aged children were either insane or feeble-minded. Then the field committee hired a social worker to review each case and to present any cases in which sterilization was indicated to the state eugenics board, under which North Carolina law had the authority to order sterilization. Race science experiment Dr. Claude Nash Herndon provided more details in an interview in 1990. So, <laughs> what <laughs> what the doctor done, right? We're going to just cut these kids open and they're stupid. Alice Gray was general supervisor of the project. She and Haynes sent out a letter promoting the program to the commissioners of all 100 counties in North Carolina. Uh, what did I do? Nothing besides writing herd on the whole thing. Or I'm sure I was supposed to be head on the whole thing. The social workers operated out of my office. I was at the time also director of outpatient services at North Carolina Baptist Hospital. We would see the targeted parents and children there. IQ tests were run on all the children in some Winston-Salem public school system. Only the ones who scored really low were targeted for sterilization. And the real bottom of the barrel, like below 70. Uh, do we do sterilizations on young children? Yes. This was relatively minor operation. No big deal. No bubbles, no troubles, right? It was usually not until the child was 8 or 10. For the boys, you just make an incision... And tie the tube. We uh, more often perform the operation on girls than on boys. Of course, you have to cut open the abdomen, but then again, it's relatively minor. Now they're talking about giving vasectomies and uh, tying the tubes of of girl of young children just because they didn't do well on a test. Dr. Herndon remarked coolly that we had very good relationship with the press. And, and to top it off, I'm not going to jump off the subject here. They legally had the right to do this. How in the fuck is that even possible? Hmm. That's crazy shit. So he remarked that we had a very good uh, relationship with the press for the project. This is not surprising since Gordon Gray owned the local newspaper, the Twin Cities Sentinel and the Winston-Salem Journal. And, by the way, he owned the radio station, too. Like I said, you have situations where uh, (laughs) you hear the news that you're supposed to hear. You read the news you're supposed to read. In 1950 and 51, John Foster Dulles, Dulles, then chairman of the Rockefeller Foundation, led John D. Rockefeller... On a series of world tours focusing on the need to stop expansion of the non white uh, populations. In November of '52, Dulles and Rockefeller set up the Population Council with tens of millions of dollars from the Rockefeller family. Um, at. Sorry, lost my spot. At this point, um, the American Eugenics Society, um, Still cautious from the recent bad publicity vis vis Hitler, right? Left its old headquarters. Now I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can guess really quick where their uh, headquarters were. Anybody? Uh real quick. Anybody? <laughs> um uh, Yeah, okay. It's just looking at something real quick. Um Okay, so their uh their headquarters was at yes, you guessed it if you guessed it right. And if you didn't, uh either way, I'm not giving you no money. Uh Yale University. The Society moved its headquarters into the office of the uh, population council and the oh real quick, what what else was at Yale University? Is anybody anybody? Bueller? Right, skull and bones, right, very good. The Society moved its headquarters into the Office of the Population Control, and the two groups melded together. The long-term secretary of the American Eugenics Society, Frederick Osborne, became the first president of the Population Council. The Graves family's child sterilizer, Dr. uh, Claude Nash Herndon, became president of the American Eugenics Society in 1953, as its work expanded under Rockefeller patronage. Meanwhile... The International Planned Parenthood Federation was founded in London in the offices of the British Eugenics Society. Now, real quick, if you guys caught the name a few minutes ago where I said John Foster Dulles, yeah, that was Alan Dulles' brother, just to let you know. Uh, you know, the guy that colluded with Bush to kill the Kennedy brothers. Just making sure. Um, see how all this, all these people know each other. They all work together. They all work together. It's what is George Carlin. It's a big fucking group, and you ain't a part of it, right? The uh, undead enemy from World War II, renamed Population Control, had now been revived. George Bush was U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations in 1972 when the prodding from Bush and his friends, the U.S. Agency for International Development, first made an official contract with the old Sterilization League of America, The league had changed its name twice again, and now is called the Association for Voluntary Surgical Contraception. The U.S. government began uh, paying the old fascist group to sterilize non-whites in foreign countries. The Gray Family experiment had succeeded. In 1988, the uh, U.S. aid signed its latest contract with the Old Sterilization League, Committee and uh, the U.S. government to spend $80 million over five years, having gotten away with sterilizing several hundred North Carolina schoolchildren, not usually less than 8 to 10 years old. The identical group is now authorized by President Bush to do it to 58 countries in Asia, Africa, Ibero-America. The group modestly claims that it had directly sterilized only 2 million people with 87% of the bill paid by U.S. taxpayers. Meanwhile, Dr. Clarence Gamble, uh, Boyd and Gray's favorite soap manufacturer, formed his own Pathfinder Fund as split off from the Sterilization League. Gamble's Pathfinder Fund, with additional million from U.S. aid, uh, concentrates on penetration of local social groups in non white countries to break down uh, psychological resistance due to surgical sterilization teams. Eugenics victims were heard at last, outraged voice over uh, state sterilization. So this was uh, by Ellen Berry in the Globe Correspondent in 1999, August. State-sanctioned sterilizations, which has sparked new outrage in the wake of advanced publicity for a book on Vermont's eugenics program, was never a secret in the middle decades of the century, when states from California to Maine allowed sterilization of people who genetically material was considered inferior. But while historians have established that at least 60,000 Americans were sterilized, some who had been coerced, and others had not been given their consent, the voices of the people who fell victim to these programs have not been heard. In the last week, however, three people have contacted a Vermont historian Nancy Gallagher the authority of Breeding Better Vermonters, the eugenics project in the Green Mountain State, saying that they were sterilized and they had never expected to read about what had happened to them in the newspaper. The new witness could add to historians' understanding of the scope of sterilization efforts in the century of the United States, in Vermont and beyond. Moreover, the publicity surrounding Gallagher's book has shed new light on the largely forgotten story of Vermont's sterilization program. Some in the state are calling for an official inquiry. Others, especially those from uh, the in- uh, Abenaki Indian families singled out by the eugenics, are asking questions about their family histories. Vermont is abuzz. Over long dormant issues of sterilization pro- uh, policy, said Fred Wiseman, a professor of humanities at Johnson State College and director of, tri- of the Tribal Museum. People in the governor's office thinking about it I've gotten all kinds of calls about it. Just about everybody in the Abenaki nation that has ever been that has ever had this happen is thinking about it. The idea of government response may not be far-fetched. In other countries, they have had sterilization programs. Victims have demanded uh reparations. Canada and Sweden, which had their own race purifying programs at work through the 1970s, had both recently paid millions of dollars to compensation to people who are sterilized by their government's orders, but they had never been made. Uh, there has never been cash settlements in the United States, uh, where even the process of gathering information on what happened, mostly behind closed doors of the state institutions, has been torturous. Now, as the majority of these sterilizations moved into the late ni- uh, late 70s and 80s, it may be too late. They do not have much longer to live. And as, as researchers on the topic point out, they have they, they have no descendants to demand historical vindication. I can tell you this. The clock is ticking. I'm not going to keep reading this article. It's just about the situation in Vermont. So, um, let me keep scrolling here. These are all just different... Quotes from books... but um, Books, I should say. So... Um, essentially, the way it breaks down is this. You can see that the Bush family... Through lineage... So, it starts back with Prescott and... Um, and H... Uh, George H. Walker... George Herman Walker... Um, so, George Herman Walker... Had a daughter... That Prescott Bush married... That started that family... Right created george hw bush who created george w bush and uh so on and so forth but if you just back it up to george hw bush the the uh i'm not going to say the only guilty party this was obviously something that started with his parents and his grandparents um the uh the funding doctors funding the nazis funding all these people in the 19 late 20s early 30s up into World War II and past, where they even made sure that these people that were guilty of the things that they did in Germany never saw punishment. They never punished the proper people for what they did. And I'm not even talking about just Germans. I'm talking about Americans also. So when we talk about secret societies, and in this series, obviously we're focused on the, the Bush crime family. And then we went into Skull and Bones. We've talked about different situations. Now, the lineage of the Bush family is bigger than what we've even talked about. There's other names that branch off of that family tree. So in upcoming series, we will talk about different families. Now, we're not going to talk about Bush families. Now, we might circle back to use a gensaki term to the Bush family. But it's more about how more current political families are who they are. But more importantly, how they became who they are. You know, they're not going to have last names of Bush is what I'm getting at. Um, But I've got, <laughs> I've literally got right now that I have to record. I've got like four more shows ready to go. Researched, ready to go. I just got to record them. So, trust me when I tell you I've got some stuff coming up. So please, 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 with that being said, guys, today is uh, November 2nd. It is Wednesday. Please make sure you're sharing this with your friends. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Don't Tread on America. Uh, if whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, guys, if you could please give us a great rating. And uh, subscribe to the show. It doesn't cost you anything. Just hit follow, hit subscribe, whatever app you're listening, you're listening to this on. I don't know what the buttons are. And that way you get updates. I try, for the new listeners to the show, I try to stay consistent with the three days a week, Um, you know, either Sunday or Monday, then Wednesday, Friday. Um, I've told you guys, the people that are long-term listeners, I've told you I'm going through re-emergence of my, my cancer, so I'm trying to deal with that. I'm on new medicine. So far it's been pretty decent. I'm able to work still. I'm able to kind of... <laughs> not to look forward to not working but I was kind of partly thinking well if I went out and leave an absence I could really mouth gag everybody with some shows but I'd rather be working than sitting here on my butt so nonetheless just follow the show pay attention follow us on our website at Don't Tread on America you can subscribe to the website you can follow us on Facebook you'll get show updates but then if you also follow us on whatever podcast app you'll get as soon as a show's uploaded you'll get it so uh, with that being said guys it's Wednesday I told you this uh go to TikTok if you want to find out how to make the Godfather I was sipping on that during this show it's a very good drink it's not too hard um as a matter of fact I still have time before I need to go to bed i will go make another one so uh sugar water for that and you guys have a great day and I'll talk to you again on Friday